Okay, guys, you are making a comic book graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, if which term you prefer about economics, which right. sounds a little weird to a lot of people, but it makes perfect sense, really, if you've studied economics. Yes. There's a lot of comedy in it. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we're doing that. It's, I think it's essential at this point for everyone to know in many ways uh, how economics functions, especially Steve has done such a wonderful job in debunking, breaking down so much of the, the insanity that we sort of arrest ourselves to and not understand the experts and I think it's very important at this stage. Yeah, when you break it down, the the BS that's out there is so basic. It's just all hyperbole and jargon and, you know, subterfuge and magic. And and it's it's all crap. And when you really get down to what they're doing, it's very simple and it's wrong and it's criminal in cases, um, negligence. There's so many things you can call it that it's actually not difficult. Like some of the terms are, you have to really think about how to depict them, but it's really not that hard. They they love making it sound, economic sound, so much more difficult than it is. Yeah, like it's astrophysics. Yeah, and it, it, you can, like most things, it'll lend itself to being broken down to images. I mean, images, words, uh, if you can think of the picture or write the words, it just depends on what your how your mind works. Uh, we we tend to think of both at the same time. We'll think of how to explain it and then how it goes with the great image. So when we read stuff, and by Steve, Miguel was referencing Steve Keen. Steve Keen, yeah, sorry. So we, I, I, um, should, I should have. This is mostly based on, on his book, Debunking Economics. And, um, and he does a great job with words of just, you know, when, when it's crap, he calls it that, and he doesn't mince words. And he, he explains everything and where the mistakes are and um so working with him it's 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 good for us because we learned a lot from him so breaking it down isn't too hard yeah um you know with some imagination anyways yeah to make it interesting action-packed and no superheroes this isn't a superhero yeah. thing no, no superheroes. <laughs> and we're working with a writer called genevieve tran so she has to really sit with Steve and as he goes off and off and on and she she has the difficult part I think of translating it yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much translating it too. so when we get a script it's already distilled so that's a good thing yeah so yeah uh we we already did uh the first 36 which I, I still have to color mm -hmm. so I have to uh do that but it, I think it was a very good way of explaining you know, like the idea of having one product, two products, but if all of a sudden you enter three or more, all of a sudden the whole idea, the the, the whole thing starts falling apart. Like their um, economic models are based on one customer who buys one product, and they don't even have male or female; they just have one. Yeah. This this perfect one, who's the perfect shopper and the perfect everything. So all of these models, when they talk about the economy. All they're based on. They're not dynamic, as Steve would say. They're not based on multiple things. They're all pretending that one person, one individual, can be extrapolated to explain the whole. Yeah. And it's, you know, anyone would look at that and think it's ridiculous. And it's easy to draw something that's, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. 
because so many of these things are just silly. Yeah. And increasingly from within and without the economics profession, people are seeing the problems with these models. Absolutely. Which have their root in Walras and some of the other fellows in the late 19th century mm -hmm. who were based loosely on Newtonian mechanics, which, of course, presents a very simple, dry, and inaccurate representation of reality. Mm -hmm. right. So they're trying to make reality fit these models. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if it doesn't, they ignore it. Yeah. And this is a criticism that's coming from multiple schools of yeah. economic thought, mm -hmm. not just Keynesians, but also Austrians, people on the far right. So it seems like a matter of time before it's widely accepted. Right. Yeah, it's, I think it should have been accepted long ago. I don't know what sort of kind of held everything back. I, I think know. while the money was flowing, yeah. they kept going with it. I honestly think it'll... It, I don't think there'll be um, a sudden, we must change. I, I, I think like anything else, it'll take an, a huge crisis for it to just sort of fall apart and someone else comes in with a, a, a better answer and people will go with yeah. that and build on that. I, I don't think it'll be a moment of clarity. Yeah, it won't be a <laughs> eureka moment where no. they'll suddenly say, we must follow this, yeah. thus, and therefore. And I mean, look at, your, look at Japan. <laughs> Japan's just like. Yeah, just do the same thing. economics is just crushing itself. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's insane. The, uh, it's great for cartoon strips. Yes, it is. It's so easy. It's, it's, it's bad for real life. <laughs> yes, it makes it very easy to, to draw the insanity. I mean, like, uh, when cartoons seem more sane than real life, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, we do a cartoon strip for idea economics as well. Yes. So they're, they're the ones who, um, uh, like Steve with this graphic novel hooked us up with a nonprofit group called idea economics. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just had a, a Kickstarter for the, um, the comic series, which is called crash boom pop, which I haven't even mentioned yet. Um, yes. and it's going to be five or six volumes. Yes. Not quite sure yet. Six Five for sure, perhaps six, perhaps six. And um, so we had a, a Kickstarter for Volume 1 that went well, thank goodness. Yes. And uh, Idea helped us with that. And, uh, you know, we're all emailing and sending everything out. And we did also do a comic strip for them. Yeah, a bi-weekly comic strip, pretty much. I, I like to call it Merry Felonies. Uh, so, <laughs> but usually it's like, it takes on things like, some days I... You know, poke fun at the conventional economist, which would be the neoclassical economist. Other times, it's just pointing things out, like what's happening in Greece, to you know, taking things like uh, austerity and and the uh, I did one on austerity where it was like all the movie monsters, like not monsters, the the killers, like uh, Freddy, Jason. And, you know, they were the pro-austerity people because they like cuts. So it was <laughs> that concept of playing with that, uh, I think. It's, you know, yeah, I, it's like we're a little bit warped, perhaps. We look yeah. at these terrible things and we think of something satirical or sarcastic yeah. about it. But well, usually I go off. So we're making it tangible to people. That's true. The word austerity is very abstract and mm. it's hard to remember an abstract concept unless you're some sort of mutant. Yes. Or you're Greek. 
<laughs> or Spanish or Portuguese, and you're seeing it like it's no longer abstract. But, it's but like, even then, I don't think people quite realize. I, I think people um, in Europe, my my impression is they look at it more as a, a political thing and not as a economic yeah. financial thing. So they'll look at um, <clears throat> their leaders. You know, who are, of course, are participants in this madness. I mean, and, you know, someone gives them a policy and they'll put it through um, without questioning because now they're part of the EU. But um, they don't they don't they don't think of economics as being where these things originate, which is, you know, austerity yeah. is for it's not a politician that thought of that. Yeah. That was he implements it, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very interesting how many things rightfully so are concerning people, but they don't really tie it to economics. No. It's almost and that Go ahead. And that echoes the very famous quote by Keynes at the end of the general theory, that practical men more often than not are the slave of some defunct economist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that that is that is true. Particularly, you know, Europe which, you know, you can have two sides, the left and the right. And the left will know its dogma pretty good. And the right will know its dogma pretty good. It's almost like Tom and Jerry. They almost know their roles so well. that. <laughs> but when you enter economics into it, all of a sudden it's off script. They don't understand, okay, well, this isn't my dogma yeah. anymore. It's, <clears throat> what do you mean? It's like the cartoon ended, but things are still going on. And, and, and now they have to sort of digest the reality and... and, and Someone yeah. interrupted the, the script. And Something, yeah. It's, <laughs> They're it's not beating really each other up anymore. It's really interesting. I'll give you the example of Spain, for, for, for example. Usually what happens in economic downturns, at least the years that I've been alive, I've noticed is, you know, you have left wing, then, you know, things start going down. They vote in right wing. That's kind of true everywhere. Right. But here what happened was it stayed. Like when the right wing got in, things didn't improve. So all of a sudden, people just sort of went, well, they're not getting it right, and they're not getting it right. What's going on? Because it was the left that entered the EU and um, started with uh, a lot of these policies. Then they voted in Rajoy, who's a, a right party, and he, you know, ran on a platform of all these wonderful things. And then I think it was the quickest turnaround. It was like a month or two months. He went backtracked on every single thing he had said he was going to do. It was something like ridiculous, whiplash worthy. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it was, I don't know what people are thinking now because yeah. so they kind of thought if it's right wing, they'll be more responsible or not right wing, but you know, right side, left side, right side. Yeah. The mean they're all running around with brown shirts. It just means to the right or to the left, yeah. but, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Because uh, they, they, that's the piece that's missing though, the economic part. Yeah. And it's really fantastic when I see more and more people talking about economics and making it. A, not boring, but B, uh, accessible. Yeah. Accessible and hopefully apolitical. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's yes. what, if I go by your Tom yeah. and Jerry thing, yes. I think that's what the problem is. Really, it's not mm. left or right. Both parties will follow this same policy. Mm. Um, you know, the academics will teach it regardless of where you go. It's, so I, th- I think you're right saying that. That's what throws people off. It's like a little schism in their yeah. head. They don't know how to respond to it, and then yeah. they think it's com- complicated, and they think it's all math for some reason. And 
Expert. I need an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, Steve, Dr. King frequently laments the lack of mathematical rigor in economics education today. Right. Right. To, yes. prove, to prove what they're saying, to back up what they're saying. Exactly. Especially to make it seem like it's a science. Because science, yeah. science, you can't just have a hypothesis and just stop there. You have to say, okay, here's my hypothesis, but now I have to prove it so it becomes a theory. And therefore, if I prove it further, it becomes mm-hmm. a law. And what's happened is, is sort of like, I think it's a law because I think it is. Because I think it is. And math usually is, you know, like Einstein had his theory, like his theories, but he still had to, someone had to sit there and yeah. prove it mathematically. So I, from what I see from Dr. Keene is wanting to make economics closer to a science, you know, and, and that probably falls well, into the in, in doing nature. that, I, I like people hear the jargon a lot, like um, the Fed will give a forecast. It's always forecast. It's always in the future. When the future comes and that didn't happen, no one's accountable. No one brings it up, you know. So he, what he points out a lot is, and he'll say it's all fortune telling. It's all, um, you know, they, they're the form of neoclassical economics is, or neo, neo, like a Chicago school type economics is. We're guessing, you know, we're using what we have, which isn't really based on math. That's why he's big on. If you have to write it down and if you need a method, you can't just say this is your conclusion just based on what you're studying and then have a forecast. You're guessing at what might happen. So what he wants to do is have math to back up what you're saying, but not project into the future. You can see the trends like anything that uses math. You can see trends in perhaps where something will go. But they, I forget, there's like quotes from Bernanke, from Greenspan, I can't even think of them now, where they actually say that's what they do. I'm sick of remember now. But there's a great one, I think it was from Bernanke, where they, that's what they do. They try to see where things will go. And Steve's like, based on what, though? Yeah. And how can you say that's where things will go if it's not based on anything? So. Right, and gamblers typically only tell you about their winnings. Absolutely. Nearly about when they lose. Yes. And, of course, with forecasts, with geopolitical events, or with economic ones, you have to assign probabilities to them. Mm-hmm. Nothing set in stone. Right. And one of the other things that Dr. King frequently brings up is the matter of private debt. Mm. Yeah. The fact that many models do not take that into account. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. They don't take debt at all. Yeah. Private debt and personal debt, too. Well, yeah. Private debt from corporate from down to individual people. people. It's and not that, included at all. And there's too much focus on just government debt. And uh, yeah, that's true. That's one of the, uh, the I haven't had too much time to play around with Minsky, but from what I've seen with the Minsky program, he he actually had crowdfunded through Kickstarter mm-hmm. uh, was to sort of have a type of model. It was a mo- modeling to actually show private debt, personal debt, and that to sort of, you know, so you could see how things grow or, you know, basically modeling the economy. Yeah, absolutely. He's building, um, not with us, no. <laughs> but separately, he's, uh, his big project is to try to have, you know, economists love models, but he, he's trying to have one where you can actually input multiple things, all interacting, everything to do with debt, everything to do with money, how much money is in the system, all of these things so that they'll... They'll actually include things that make up an economy. 
-hmm. And then you can actually see trends and chart how it really works. So then you can perhaps make, um, like you say, add a probability to what might be a year from now or five years from now or something, actually based on something. Um, And it's uh, so he has programmers and people building all that for him. So he loves talking yeah. about that. Yeah, he loves his <laughs> And the project is open source. Yes, absolutely. I GPL license. So anyone who wants to work on it can go to the SourceForge page mm-hmm. included absolutely. in the link. Yeah, below. absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, and he'd love it actually. Yeah, he'd love it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Like private debt. I mean. I keep seeing how the news keeps portraying, oh, we we got the government got its debt down, but I don't see any news being reported about credit card debt being pushed down or, you know, what's the level? If you asked, I don't think Visa, MasterCard, I want to want to give the numbers because, you know, um, forget private debt. I mean, all we see is that Disney and all these companies are making crazy amounts of money. Well, they're not really the Their stocks are going up. They're buying them back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. And and there's the the other problem too that I find. This is aside from Keen, uh, is that we confuse the economy with the stock market. Yeah. You know, and 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 you, you see that's just such a common thing for people to say. Oh well, the stock market's up. Okay. It's rigged. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a very partisan thing. Democrats in America want to say, look, the stock market is rising, therefore Obama has done an excellent job. Very true. Exactly, yes. And if it was Bush was in office and it was up, they would say that, you know, the Republicans would say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty much almost finished reading Steve's book. <laughs> I t- like Like about... <laughs> I'm almost all the way through because I, I took my time reading it. Uh, but I do think that something more accessible to the layman is good as well. And I think a comic that breaks it down even further is always a good thing. Because I think that what happens is it becomes too abstract. Absolutely. For people to sort of grab uh, grab the concept of it. But it's interesting in debunking how he was mentioning how and this is something that I now find very frustrating that he pointed out, which was that we say that Keynes had, was basically for all this money printing and, you know, all these things. But the way Steve breaks it down is he shows how it got muddled through different people and how what we have now today is not Keynes and in any sort of, and well, yeah, I guess they blame point. everything on him, and he would never do these things that yes. they're doing. And it's so many different people. Yeah. Right. Well, same with Adam legacy. Adam Smith. Yeah, they're following Adam Smith for sure. Free trade. Yeah, and it's you know they don't even know what he said, or it's um they 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 like giving historical context to their actions when there's none. Well, Adam Smith's book is fairly straightforward. The general theory was or is a very abstruse and obtuse book, so I can understand why there are so many differing interpretations of what he wrote. Right, right. Though, uh, if you mention, for, ex- in, for example, that Adam Smith was in favor of a progressive income tax, <laughs> some people might be very upset with you. Right. Yeah. And 
he was, even though he's painted as a gung-ho free market man, it's just not the case. He was for whatever was best. And that just happened to be a general lack of regulations, but not a total absence. Right, right. 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 I mean, it would, it would be really, really hard in his time, if you think about 1776. For, well, it was 1776 when, when, when he published yeah. the book, or the mm-hmm. 1700s. Imagine trying to say in a time with a monarchy, <laughs> you're living under the queen, and you're saying, well, we should just abolish all this. Could you, could you imagine the, I mean, he... Back then, you, I don't know, he might have gotten beheaded. For, you know, because you're, you're dealing with, I mean, sometimes people ascribe certain modern behaviors to the past that if you actually think about it, you think, well, there were certain limitations because of certain, the, the, a, a, a certain environment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've been reading at, um, Wealth of Nations, and... He, it's very straightforward. I mean, it's so dry. But, I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's almost like you're reading s- someone who's not really, I wouldn't say necessarily just giving you theory, but it's almost like someone who's telling you uh, what is he, he is exploring. Yeah, absolutely. At the time, too. Like, From my know, perspective. That's it almost seems like, well, you know, this happens and this happens. And when you look at Rome... In this case, things started to go really bad for Rome. <laughs> the the um, the cost of the interest rates for lending, I think, to the island of Crete was it the island of Crete? I can't remember which island it was. It was like ninety four percent or something because it was so uh, basically um, volatile. It was so they could. It was just not stable. And then it puts it into perspective that he's observing mm-hmm. he's not an engineer by any means saying okay well this is what we're going to do <laughs> you know at least that's the impression i got from reading i mm-hmm. might be people who disagree with me but i think it's uh, in a way his tone is very similar to charles darwin's in the origin yeah. of species and people interpret that as a polemic against creationism, Christianity, whatever. But again, nothing could be farther from the truth. Darwin was simply saying, this is what I've observed, this is what I think is right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but basically, like the... Because back then, the sciences weren't really divided the way we had it. Like, especially in the 1700s, they weren't really divided. I think uh, it came more from the Greek notion, which was, you know, you you had the concept of, okay, you might have one thing you're good at, but you should be well-rounded on the other things. And it's more of a modern sort of like, okay, well, you're going to be a specialist in this. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a specialist in that. And now we've sort of subdivided these other categories. But now we're seeing that the Renaissance ideal has to be revived in order to say economics. Yes. Because you can't do economics without psychology, without sociology, without understanding all of these factors that go into consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... And I mean, finance it, and business. Yeah. <laughs> and institutional behavior. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, if you think of some of the movie studios, what they go through to try to figure out what, what people will like. I mean, obviously, there's, there's limited choice. But what they go through, okay, will they like this kind of character, this kind of movie plot... Um, I think more thought goes put into that 
than sometimes some of the neoclassical <laughs> concepts. Well, everybody you know. assumes that at some point in the past, someone figured this out when they study when they study economics. Like some something might sound a little incomplete, but I'm sure there's something that you know someone did a, some model and there was some math to back up what they're saying in order to come to this. And then you find out that if you that's what in debunking he goes like if you dig, there's nothing there. Um, mm-hmm. People just assume something is there. There's a lot of assumption, too much assumption. Yeah. And um, which so. which is frightening because. Your movie model. Yes. Well, the movie. There's more to the movie model. Everybody knows that. You know, if you have a a certain following, you have a certain demographic. There's, you know, there's. It's a lot more thought out. Um, but I think it's frightening that our economy, of the world, at the economies of the world, are left to their devices. Like I yeah. mean, that's that's the same. So. Like my my background is, yeah. Lower, but you know, I've worked at banks. I've worked uh, in usually finance, finance-related websites. I worked at Bloomberg for ages in New York. I, it, it, like so, I, I look at it like they're missing so much of the business aspect of the buying and selling of the actual customers and the flow and the craziness of trades and everything. That that's so far removed from them. Yeah. You know, they're in the sterile environment, and they don't want to think of how things are crazy. And yeah. people will suddenly buy and suddenly sell. Yeah. And there's hopefully logic to a lot of buying and selling, but a lot of times it's just emotional, which is where, you know, problems come in with the invisible hand, that everything will work out. Oh. But it won't work out if it's manipulated or it won't work out if if people are constantly going on purposeful, uh, you know, trying to lead you in a certain direction so someone else can make money and they send you the wrong information or... Goldman Sachs. <laughs> Goldman, Goldman Sachs. Sachs JP but yeah. just in general, though, I mean, you can put in wash trades. You can do lots of things to get people herded into a certain direction. But it's the thing with economics that I, I find most perplexing is that's, I mean, politics does as well, but economics is what hits you in the pocketbook. You know, that that's what you work for every day. What, you you know, everyone, most people, I won't say everyone, I suppose, most people need to work, you pay rent, you pay your mortgage, you pay for your car. All of that is affected by these economic policies. And if you fluff off even the slightest understanding of these things, it absolutely affects your day-to-day life. It affects how many jobs there are, how many you can apply for. It affects how much interest you pay on a credit card. It it affects everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's so apart from what people think yeah. and how they perceive things. It's uh, it's such a huge chasm uh, that I, I what I liked about the, the comic book and the way Steve and many people like James Galbraith or Kay Galbraith and Michael Hudson, there's so many and pedophile, there's so many people now that can, ex- they're geniuses and they explain things in such a normal and easy to understand way which is what we need, because that's a good teacher. A teacher who stands up there and confuses you is not a good teacher. They should not be teaching. A teacher is someone who can explain a difficult concept in a way that you can understand. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's what I love about this whole growing 
amount of people that they're not just frustrated with one thing. The, the frustration is, yeah, this is, we can get a handle on this. We can understand this and we need to understand this or nothing's going to change. Yeah. You can reelect whoever you want, but if they have the same economic advisors, it doesn't matter. It it just it makes no difference. They I don't there's no connection with people with how powerful this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's always the economics. And the interesting thing about economics, even if you follow the money. If if you factor in all the things, like I, I I sometimes joke that we almost need like a corruption index too. <laughs> like there's always gonna be a certain amount of of shady things. Yeah. Like and you know, that costs the economy too. Like I was reading about how Coca Cola was suing Goldman Sachs because suddenly it was a while back, but suddenly the cost of tin started going up. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was tin it was tin. And they went and they they actually had someone investigate and they found a warehouse that Goldman Sachs had bought to hoard tin so they could obviously jack up the price. So Coca-Cola, having this knowledge now, took them to court. I don't know how it, how it settled it afterwards. settled in their favor. Probably. Because there's nothing separating that they can dominate a, a resource yeah. or whatever. They, they All of those separations are gone. And, and you know, yeah. what is an, an... If they had a corruption <laughs> index, though, it would be really... <laughs> It would be well, at the top, and everything else would be really low. <laughs> it would have to be like basic accounting, you know, what you add and what yeah. you subtract. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's the very famous quote by Bernard Mandeville. He said, "Private vice makes public virtue." True. And of course, corruption will always exist, yeah, right? as long as it doesn't become an epidemic. Mm-hmm. Right. As long as it does not actively harm anyone. Right. That's fine. No harm, no foul, right? Right. Well, it's just, In the overall. In the overall. But if it's, you know, if it's the major playing factor, yeah. then who? You know, I don't even... Okay. Based on what I've read in Steve King and Eric Weinhocker, who's also a an excellent critic of neoclassical economics, is that this stems, these problems stem more from ignorance than malice. Although there are some very malicious people yeah. in high finance. Right. Yeah, yeah. from my, my finance perspective, there's a lot of malicious people. <laughs> and I think sometimes the academics are, they there is ignorance, but there's also the knowledge that they know that theories are lacking. So I, I do find them culpable because they're, they're helping to promote a view and a policy and um and uh, they're they're promoting something that they know is lacking that's not really defining things. So I think, yeah. you know, to me, it's, it's part of the system as well. Um, well, that sort of incompleteness does occur in yeah. other fields. For instance, I was speaking with a biologist friend about evolutionary theories of aging. There are many evolutionary biologists that know they cannot adequately explain aging, but they just shrug it off and say, well, this model explains everything else. Just go with it. Let it go. So it's more laziness than malice. Well, yeah, it it, it could be a combination of where you have a a duo where one is lazy and the other one, and you have another one that's malicious. Yeah, there's a yin and a yang to it, you know. know? There might be – there has to be some maliciousness to make the ignorant ones go in a certain direction. 
Yeah. There has to be like a little spark, yeah. and th- those sparks are the ones that end up leading down and, and to finance. That is just very much New York City. Yeah. In, in they, they will buy and sell anything. Yeah. It is ridiculous. It's, a, it's sort of a relationship where, uh, particularly for finance, when you've lived in New York, you're 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 mostly trying to avoid someone selling something to you all day. <laughs> you know, I mean, the big gag is don't make eye contact. <laughs> and so there's a certain perception where you're going to be either the person ignoring someone trying to sucker you, the sucker, or the person suckering someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's very much that dynamic within that city. And then when it's the center of finance, I mean, it just... It just tells you everything, but mm-hmm. yeah, obviously there's 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 the laziness factor as well. Well, you know, so what? And you know, it's a complex thing. That uh, ties in with a couple of things we've discussed, and something I discussed with Dr. Thornton this morning is the way in which, well, one, we have the way in which the commodities market creates stable prices year-round. So that's very chaotic. Yet its emerging property is beneficial to everyone. Your coffee in the morning does not cost substantially more in December than it does in June. Right. And the other one is how difficult it can be to explain concepts like the commodities market or the foreign currency market to very intelligent people. And I think in a way the simplicity of it is deceptive. It doesn't make sense. Right. And I've talked to chemists, to physicists, and they say, well, I don't get it. Why is the young guy now? Right. And I say, well, it's because people are buying it. <laughs> right, right, right. It, because, and it goes back to what you were saying, actually, and you, you, you were pointing out, which is uh, psychology. I think it's yes. a psychological aspect to it. Um, the I, I want because I think I'm actually going to get something out of this, and that 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 drive, and it's it's illogical. It's animal spirits. Right. It's the animal spirits. Exactly. (laughs) And even more so when I tell people about the cryptocurrency market, which I play on occasion, they think, what on earth are you doing? What are these things? Why do they have value? Because people buy them. That's why they have value. One thing I don't get what they – one thing that I think everyone should understand with cryptos, now the value of it and whether it's something that varies too much and if it's too volatile, I, I get that part of being reticent to jump in. But everyone uses digital money. So that part is so easy to understand. You know, do yeah. you do you pay cash or do you use a credit card or a debit card? That's digital. There's no exchange. Yeah. Money comes out of your account, it goes into their it's account. Zeros and ones. It's the same thing. It's completely yeah. the same thing. Like yeah. you know, that concept is the yeah. easiest to get by, and yeah. people. It's like you said, they're they're just so baffled. It's like, but so few people carry around cash to pay for things. Yeah. Well, the 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 one of the most interesting things for me was when I found out about the word credit, that it came from credo, belief, and once. <laughs> And you, you sort of see it like a giant monopoly game, and it's 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 kind of frightening mm-hmm. in one aspect because you're like yeah, people buy and sell what they want to buy and sell, yeah. unless they're restricted or whatever. But it's a natural thing; people will just do that. They'll buy and sell things. Yeah. It's like Beanie Babies. Oh, Everybody wow. wanted to buy Beanie Babies, right? It's completely <laughs> illogical. And then that went away, and now all of a sudden, nobody cares cares for it. So I mean. It's, yeah. it's insane. Trends. It's trends. Mm-hmm. It's, 
and I think you're right. It's so painfully simple that it's it, it, it hurts the brain thinking, no, it really can't be that. There must be something to it more along the lines of Aristotle. But also trying yeah. to, back to models and things that don't work, is how can you factor in that sort of volatility? What will be a trend? What will like? What will? What might someone buy? It's just um, there are things that are tangible and that others that are not. And to pretend that you can cover both in this, you know, godlike <laughs> manner where you can uh, espouse to, you know, if a Fed gives a speech and he knows all, but then when it's wrong, well, you know, I just said it was a forecast. It's it's ridiculous. Yes, yeah. I mean. You- Probably it's probably easier to figure out the crops from year to year. <laughs> People are going to want year to year. Uh, weather patterns are also extremely complex, but yes. Well, you know, people might buy for food, but you won't know the variable of the weather, right? Right, yeah. right. Like you, you have a rough idea. Okay, yeah, how much you'll yeah. sell, how much you should yeah. grow, how many hectares. You might guess it a little more, a little less, but there's. But what people want, I think, is even more, like abstract well when you're talking the markets yes if you're talking about a normal thing you could you know how much someone buys in general yeah but then when you're talking about stock markets and stuff that's where it gets much more complicated with just just with what people will buy not the stock market itself it's buying and selling right it's um what what is going to be bought and sold right not the fact someone's actually doing that like for me i i I like the concept of Bitcoin from a vendor perspective. Love it, yeah. Not having to worry about giving, you know. I would love if people bought money stuff to with Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> not not having to give money to PayPal or Visa. Yeah, or, absolutely. It, it just doesn't make sense. And, and technologically speaking today, that someone would get that much of a percentage just because one computer spoke to another computer. It's strange to me, you know. But It's a racket. Is it, you know, even Smith complained about that. The rentier who sits there and just makes yeah. money off of nothing, which is what so many people do now. They yeah. just sit on their arse and um, yeah. buy a river and they'll charge you to cross it. Yeah. Yes, and I've had a number of Georges on the show who, of course, are all about euthanizing the rentier. Oh. To borrow another expression from Keynes. Oh. <laughs> so they went. <laughs> <laughs> they want to bring out the guillotines, I take it. Oh, no, no, no. No, with a land value tax. Oh, with a land value <laughs> oh, tax. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, a lot of these things, in some ways, you can understand, but you also foresee that they can be abused. Like, you do want to discourage people buying up blocks and just leaving them to fall apart, like in parts of London. People who never go there, and there's blocks of beautiful, beautiful buildings that are falling apart. Or they'll just sit on it when uh, and, and jack up the prices of everything around it. So I understand wanting to discourage behaviors. Yeah. But um, but it will get abused. Yeah, it's 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 just such a difficult thing when it comes yeah. to minutia like that. Also, too, because it comes from an emotional standpoint. I think. I think it comes from well, I, I want you've done this. I want to do this back to to get you to 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 stop it and and. The logic should be, whoa, okay, if I do this, what are all the repercussions to this? Well, I would work backwards. There's tons of 
instead of continuing like this is a problem, maybe we should tax them, maybe we should, you know, whatever, or or new regulations on even tinier things, go backwards. How about zero interest rate policies for, you know, the bigger you are, the more money you can get at zero interest, and then you can put it into real estate, you can put it into buying back your shares, you can, you know, like it, 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 instead of going forward, go backwards. Why is why is there so much money? Why is there so much volatility in the FX markets? Why is there um, what what's causing these asset bubbles and these uh, asset price bubbles? And um, you know, kind of work backwards to see if you can fix things instead of continuously regulating or taxing on yeah. top of it as you go down the road. Because it doesn't. Well, one of my guests, Fred Polvary was one of the men who predicted the 2008 crisis. He gave a date back in 1997 based on an 18-year land mania cycle that has been playing out since the 1800s. And his explanation as a Georgist and as an Austrian was the subsidies the government gives to developers, the artificially low interest rates, and generally interfering with the market. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I follow a lot of the financial news as well. And uh, when you see how they manipulate gold, silver, the market, mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the high frequency trading where you, you think you're buying one thing and then the next thing you know, in a microsecond, what the traders bought is actually inflated by even if it's like ten. $10 or they'll put it in a block of trades and then delete them, but it already leads the market yeah, in a certain direction. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's lots of that. I, I think though it's all part of this. Things are just kind of out of control. So. Yeah, well, it's I. A strange kind of. You know, as I was discussing with the Austrian fellow this morning, I'm inclined to think that asset bubbles would occur even if the government didn't interfere at all. Yes. I think they're just part. And you could argue about the severity, yes. but, yeah. you know, well, who really knows? will happen because I think yeah. it's uh, people drive certain things sometimes yeah. irrationally. Like the tulip bubble. But if, like, if, if people, like, the perfect, I, I think a good example is bank bailouts. They would have gone belly up. You know, they got bailed out and that that's not um, that was direct interference. <laughs> I sound like a free market, but, you know, that was their yeah. interference that saved things that that would have and should have gone down because the way they ran their company was awful. You know, they were it's um, so I, I the, the thing I think is different now is they're doing things that they've never done before. And in order to keep it going, they have to just keep upping the ante, upping the ante. Uh, so the more money they print, the more money they have to print. The more, um, you know, the before, like it now, the statistics are crazy on how much money they spend buying back their own stock because no one else is buying back that stock. The government's buying, you know, in Japan and the states, they're buying their own government bonds. It's, it, it just has. That's why I'm saying things are crazy now because they've they've done things that they've sort of touched a little bit, but it's escalating and escalating, and it's. Everything gets amped up exponentially. Yeah. Um, and, and, and actually, one of the things too, uh, the the printing of money is actually one of the things that people also are confused. And it was one of the things that Steve points out in his book, Debunking, 
You mean printing money or money creation? Money creation. Okay. People think that printing money is money creation. Oh, it is. But the fact that when the banks, people imagine, the way they think is, I put my money in the bank, it's there, well, you know, you the come over, multiplier. yeah, the multi-multiplier. And the reality is, is like, no, oh, sure, here, 15000 And it's created. The banks create most of the money in the market. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's... Back to Bitcoin and cryptos, that, that's, that's how things work anyways. I mean, you go for a loan in the bank. They don't go into the vault and say, give this guy 5000 or 10000 for a car loan. They, 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 take, they pretend there's money and it's in your account. Yeah. That's how that's how they do it. That's how it is. So again with cryptos, where's where's the craziness? The only thing with cryptos that's good is there's transactions and there's the uh, I don't want to get into the blockchain and everything, but it's you know, you can have better contracts and better control and yeah. and um and everything is up front. And avoid taxation. Yeah. Well didn't they just recently rule that in New York Bitcoin that won't pay sales tax? Yeah. But of course buying and selling them is subject to capital gains yes. tax. Yes, no. absolutely. Yes. You know. I mean Which is lower though. Which is much lower than yeah. regular income and interest. Income tax. Yeah, and it's it's but it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of it too though with the economy comes from people react emotionally. Because I think they bring in their politics. Yeah. And what you were saying about being apolitical. Yeah. I mean, when you sit down and you do your accounting, <laughs> you try to be apolitical. There's no politics when you're doing. No, your you're like, well, well, I guess there could be. You could complain about whoever's you know, making you pay. A- you know, I think, but it, I think it's really hard, particularly right now in the U S is I think there is a, um, you know, I hate to use the word, a gang mentality. Or as Washington said, uh, the spirit of revenge in his farewell address. He spoke about, you know, you don't want to go down the party route because oh. you're going to end up. And we've they've gotten there. And, you know, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. I'm better at this. No, I'll do it better than you do. But you did exactly what I did. No, I didn't. I did it this way. Torture is better than drones. No, yeah. drones is better than torture. Yeah. It's <laughs> what? <laughs> Everything's bad. It's all wrong. So to get something like economics to be apolitical, I think it's kind of tough right now in, in some places like the U.S. That's just my opinion anyway. It's, economics seems to be something that people are born into. They are raised a certain way. And they do not question it, much like religion, much like politics. Right. And there's no other subject like that. You aren't born into a position regarding physics or mathematics. No. But you are born into one when it comes to economics, which is based or should be based largely upon mathematics. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's true. And I think it comes down to you fall like uh, when I was mentioning Europe, you fall into the one camp, right or left. And I think it's sort of... And usually, they, you know, the, the stereotype is the right is better with money than the left. Yes. Right. And the idea of zero one, like we're computers, <laughs> instead of like, well, hold on a second. This is money. You know, I mean, <clears throat> this is affecting people's lives. Shouldn't we sit there and be analytical at this point and 
really, you know, I mean, you can believe whatever you want to politically and whatever, but yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's try to, I mean, if, if, if you have math, instead of putting in your, your, um, your emotions into it, do the math. But see that bringing, you know, how they say shining the light, bringing logic to it is counter everything. It's, um, mm-hmm. you'd be challenging all the people in charge of all the, de- you know, like to, to, to say, no, 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 let, let's do this properly. Let's organize this now. Let's try to do, even if we disagree, let's have like a whole room full of different types of people. As long as we prove what we say, as long as we, we think through each step logically. And so you're observing, a, a, making a scientific observation of some sort. That would knock everything else yeah. out. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, in politics, so you they're don't not have... going to support something that's anti-establishment by nature. Uh-huh. Like to try to make something work well right. at this point is going against the current structure. But I would say, and you're, you're it's cr- a rebellious act to say, "Hang on a minute, let's yeah. look at what you're doing." No, I, I agree. But compared to uh, religion and politics, economics has math. And, yeah, math, and should have much more of it. <laughs> math brings some sort of level of logic that the other yeah. two are incapable of having. Right. And well, that's faith, right? Faith yeah. is illogical. It's your faith. Yeah. Yeah. No one could argue there are some faiths that are more logical than others, but yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, and the bottom line is that things like a land value tax or an income tax or debunking neoclassical economics are not sexy. (laughs) They're not the sort of thing that make people angry or sad or whatever. Right, right. So they're indifferent to it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's just like how things are taught. You know, when when you learn... It is. As soon as you see the word economics, though, that's kind of a killer right there. Yeah. But I think if you're in a bookstore and people see out of economics, yeah. <laughs> they keep going. Unless you're specifically looking for a book that is about economics, you're not going to look at a book yeah. that has economics in the title. But I, but I think it's it's just like how math is even taught in school. Uh, it's very abstract. Uh, you know, algebra, calculus, all these things. I think though, if you were to tell students, okay. This is what you can do with it. Oh, I think they make you learn it, but they don't say this is what this. These proves. are the things, and this is why you. This use is the practical application of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always thought that would be terrific. That's how you build a bridge. Why you need to yeah. build a bridge. This formula lets you make that curve on that bridge. Yeah. and I think go a, do it. <laughs> a lot of us are are visual learners. Many of us are, are visual learners. So being visual learners, when you just say, you know, you just learn it. My learn math it. teachers were all awful. They were very, they, they, they hardly looked at the students. They wrote things down and sat at their desks. And I, I never had any, yeah. I was an unfortunate. I didn't have any that were engaging. Yeah. But once you get out into the real world and you have to use a lot of addition, subtraction, it's funny how you start getting really, really good at, at, at mm-hmm. certain types of math. But then the other ones that they never really kind of gave you the application for it. Mm-hmm. I think you most people suffer. Now, if you're able to sort of with economics, make that connection as to, well, you see this policy, this is kind of affecting you right now. Mm -hmm. 
then you start getting a little angry and the pitchforks might come out, guillotines, whatever, whatever choice, choice of, of uh, French or I don't know who uses pitchforks. <laughs> but I think that's, that's, uh, I think that's, that's the problem is, is bringing abstract, abstract ideas. Uh, most people it's, are very visual. They need to see it. They need a practical application for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where the graphic novel comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, for me, I'm I'm very proud to do to be drawing this mm-hmm. because I think it's something an important discussion. The average citizen should be doing it. Shouldn't just be left to to academics. It should be something that I mean, everyone should have access to. And you know, it it doesn't have to be uh, the beginning and end, but the beginning. Of a journey, at least, yeah. Well, if if someone understands in high school, um, the limit, who knows what at what point this will all change. But if someone in high school learns the basics of economics and learns right away the the parts that are incorrect that they might encounter later on, and they'll they'll know off the bat that okay, this is craziness, or this is uh, you know, I or they'll they'll instantly be more curious that because that idea is already in their head that that this is incorrect or that this is incomplete mm-hmm. and they'll be more likely to look into the correct answer on their own like so many students now are demanding alternative economics they don't just want to learn one form of yeah. economics and, uh, and that's because they're they're learning more and they're questioning more because of there's so many more people bringing it up so much more dialogue um, that it's fantastic. So if like a graphic novel can get that into someone's hands at 14, at 20, or just as a review, you know, you might be like, oh gosh, I learned that in first year. I don't even remember what that concept was. <laughs> Let me flip through the book. Anything at all. Uh, it, it'll just make so so many improvements later on because you you know in your head these aren't rules. These aren't steadfast truths. Laws. Absolutely. Laws. They weren't proven. There's nothing to back them up. They're taught, but it doesn't mean there's anything behind that. Yeah. Right. And they don't even deserve the title theory. Yeah. Scientific right. sense. Absolutely. Evolution is a theory and there's a lot of empirical evidence. Uh, I like when people are like, it's just a theory. It's like, you don't even know what yeah. a theory is and all the work that goes into it being a theory. <laughs> I, I, I cringe because I remember yeah. my high school science and you're like, wait a second, theory, you it's know, not a guess. Hypothesis, theory, <laughs> law. Hypothesis is what they're they're intending uh, to say about evolution, but no, it's 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 a, it's a waste. It's a lot further up in the um, in the food chain. In the hierarchy. Yeah, the hierarchy. And that um, goes back to a funny anecdote tying to high school economics education at mine, and. In AP Macro, I, they did a pretty good job of covering everything. They represented Keynes, the monetarists, and the supply side. But when we were on Say's Law, I asked the teacher to clarify it, to give an explanation for how supply creates demand. Because it sounds silly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not, it turns out it's not one of those counterintuitive concepts. It actually is silly. Yeah. <laughs> and that, unless yeah. that, like the version yeah. I know is came in in the 80s. I don't know if they've ever done supply side before that. 
Like I, I don't, I don't know historical context for it, but that's when they switch from demand to yeah. supply side. The supply side. And supply side there's economics, so many yeah. things that are new that people assume have been like that for a long time. And there's so many changes just since 99 that they're doing in the economy that they've never done before. And people assume that they're basing it on things they've always done before. And there's so many false assumptions as opposed to a lot of it is, you know, like guess or ignorance or playing it by ear or hoping for the best or, you know, fill in the blank of whatever the motivation might be. Yeah. But, um, you know, even the value of money against one currency against another, like it doesn't mean if if the euro is high, it doesn't mean the European economies are doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the euro high against the dollar? Yeah. You know, like it's 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 yeah. just strange things where people assume there's something and and sometimes logical. even if you tell them, you know, I've living in Europe and you know you tell someone, you know, the for all this crisis talk. You know the currency is really is is a little too high. Yeah, how do you have and, austerity and then the euro stays high and stable? And, and then it hits them when when the same person you told exactly that it hits mm-hmm. them when they're like, oh, I'm you know I'm going to the states. Wow, <laughs> the euro's really high. Why? We're in a crisis. <laughs> and until again, it goes back to physically seeing it applied before, to them. Applied to them. Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's it's. it's it's interesting. I think that, um, and also too about the comic. Uh, there's the the other side where the students that don't go to be um, economics majors. Yeah, they should still know it. They should still know it, but also too, I think it's too easy for a lot of young people probably to jump into crazy theories and just sort of fill in the blank. It's the lizard men, <laughs> you know, the reptilians or whatever. And this way, at least if there's some sort of context mm-hmm. that it, 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 it's, it's silly, it's com- but it's complex, on the other hand, how we got here. For, the, for example, for a long time, I thought that, you know, you would hear, oh, Keynes, Keynes. And when I sat down, I was reading St- uh, Professor Keynes' book, and you're like, Wow. You know, it was it was it was a layered effect that that basically maligned Kane's name. And today, you just, you just it's just said, but no one really questions it. So same with Marx. I mean, Marx provides a good critique, regardless of his errors. Um, but you know, Marx, you can't really study. Like in school, they they categorized him more under my sociology class than any of the economics classes I took. It's like, but, you know, when you read him later, there are um, interesting things he brings up that are true, but obviously, you know, um, but he was associated with, um, you know, with the Russian Revolution and everything, and then forget it, they'll never teach it, and and he's just like a paragraph, and they don't really go into it because it'll get all political, and off he goes, and there goes Marx. But, there, you know, there's, there's interesting things to be gleaned from him as well, just to add to the a proper critique. Yes, and Marx was the product of his time, mm-hmm. just like Adam Smith, just like Keynes, and just like Steve King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons Stephen Pressman, who's also affiliated with this Motley group, likes to take a historical approach. Right. 
issue in the matter. So, that is something else that should be included in curriculums, is seeing how these ideas have developed. The patrons of these men, mostly men, and why they wrote what they did, and who benefits the most from their theories. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean... But that goes back also to whether economists are ignorant or not, you know, if yeah. they, that, that same thing applies to them. It's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, as I talked about with Nate and the Georgist, fellows like John Locke and Smith, who dealt quite a bit with land, mm-hmm. and land was a key focus of many economists before Alfred Marshall, before the early 20th century, had to be respectful of landlords to a certain extent because they were the nobles. Right. That's right. And they were the friends of the king. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I was saying about the monarchy. Yeah. Exactly. The historical context. <laughs> the historical context. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of the things that I think is sort of lost, and uh, when people sort of think sometimes what happens, particularly in this this era of media, that names are just sort of thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, this guy said this, and this guy said that, and blah blah blah, and and people are just sort of inundated, and it's people just start to sort of parrot, and all sort of stops and goes, wait a second, this guy didn't live in my era. He lived in a different one. What was that like? You know, did he really say that? And, you know, that, that goes down a whole other a different road of fact checking. Um, yeah, you know. I, my, my thoughts on that are in any era, that's the minority of people who actually look into things. But it's good to see when enough people do do that, there is there is uh, a change in things like so many people now in within economics and just learning about it. Like we're, we weren't, and we don't have an economics background. No, I'm know. history. He's like film. And, yeah. I'm just, and, uh, I'm, just I'm just the humble artist. Right? <laughs> so like it's the awareness level of it is so much higher now that it's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, that that's what will, there'll be the people that will trumpet, and we'll see how it works out, you know, the, the changes, hopefully the betterment of everything. And, but at least there will be people understanding what they're doing. Because when, when you don't have people understanding what they're doing, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And the, you yeah. know, you can't leave things just it beca- to... It becomes Lord of the Flies. It also becomes a matter of values, too. Those become conflated with policy and with what's right, what's factually true, mm-hmm. it's not. Right. Or you assume that they're doing something that they're not because you have a certain set of values and you think that they're espousing those as well. It, it just leaves things open. Yeah. Uh, and that's what attracts people to radical theories. If somebody goes off and becomes a libertarian, it's not necessarily because they disagree with the way the Federal Reserve works. It may be because they have this need to shrug off all authority, some kind of right. psychological disorder. Someone who's obsessed with fairness and with getting what they believe they are owed would be drawn to the left. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes see it too with children in the sense that, for example... 
sometimes, oftentimes you think, okay, you come from a conservative family, therefore you're going to be conservative. But a lot of times you'll see kids go to the opposite side of the spectrum of the parents just to be, <laughs> at least from the parents' perspective, or <clears throat> that perhaps it's because they want to just oppose the parents, mm-hmm. you know. So I, 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 I can... I can understand that, and but after a while, you, you I think you want to start, hopefully, getting to the point where okay, well, what works? Oh, that would be know, terrific. That would be what works and what doesn't work. And really, the only thing that divides that is uh, what else other than math? Something that everyone can agree on. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how else to bring clarity to things. Because um, po- people can't agree on math. I think the only thing people can agree on is that the system is broken. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, agree, yeah. I mean, the changes that will be implemented yeah. um, or else it's just arguing between two sides, you know? Um, That's true. Because when it's all uh, your side, my side, something like that, like, you know, and they could like, they could just disregard it. You could say, this is how it actually works. And then, you know, I sort of think we're at that stage right now. I'm hoping for a different, a different stage later on. Hopefully. But, uh, you know, we just got to put it out there. Well, the good thing about King's book and Beinhocker's book, mm-hmm. and I read them both in March, uh, quickly, within a week, is that neither of them are particularly partisan. They keep it academic and formal, and then we, the readers, are free to draw particular policies Mm -hmm. from them. Right. Yes. And that's one of the things that I I really love about Steve's book. Actually, I want to read the other one now. Yeah. It's on the list. Um, And I I, I really like that. And I I think that will work very well with the comic, because I think that what happens is, when you do come from a political perspective with it, you leave out the other 50% of people. Or more. Or more. And maybe, you know, you miss educating the other 50. And that's that's problematic. And, or even if you're uh, just dogmatic, like if, if something in your theory or in your what you're teaching, whatever, you can't be so invested in it that when something is shown wrong, that you, you don't adjust. I mean, that's the best way I think to judge someone is if it's, if it, if information comes out that this is wrong and you don't change, you're dogmatic. You, you have to be able to change when something is incorrect. And I, I think that's, that's what I like about, you know, I hate bringing him up all the time, but like Steve's mom, I'm sure there's other ones that I'm just not setting in my head right now, but you know, models where it's like, oh wow, that was completely off. You know, I, I, I thought it would the opposite would happen, yeah. uh, and that this will be trashed, and something else will come that's better. Like people who are seeking something, and it doesn't matter what the field is, but are, are actually just trying to understand how things work and changing as it goes. Um, the, the, otherwise, it's just if you if you cement your feet in 2014, it's going to be completely different in 2018. Like it's. There's the basics, and then there's the, all the variables. And um, the, like when I hear people speak and they 
never account for anything that's changed. If the answer is always the same, regardless of what happens, <laughs> <laughs> that I, I'm like, okay, I'll just quietly listen. And then I'll know that you're just not open to critiquing at all when things are wrong. And that's one of the reasons why econophysics became so popular after the crash is because a lot of bright people who may have been initially turned off by the dogmas they found in Econ 101 said, these guys don't seem to be doing a very good job. Mm -hmm. I know all of this math. Why don't I put it to use? Mm -hmm. Right. Or why didn't we see this coming? Because you ignored debt. <laughs> <laughs> If you're never looking that way, you won't see it. Yeah, you're back. And in some, in some ways, uh, I find it hard to believe that fellows at the Federal Reserve simply said, well, this isn't part of our model, so we're going to ignore this. Yeah. On some level, I'm inclined to think they chose to ignore yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yes, because the way that they... Because <laughs> yes. the data's coming in. The data is coming in, right? Well, they were very quick to hand those bailouts. Uh, well, that's, see, that, that's, <laughs> that's when you—that's when the distinction comes where where the people who the believers and the movers, yeah, the people who actually move them in a certain direction. Exactly, because it wasn't like two or three weeks later they said maybe we should give them bailouts. It was like, oh no, bailouts now. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I'm inclined to think that they've they must have had some sort of a clue. Well, they still say they didn't see it coming when they like they'll they'll still at um, J P Morgan. There was that recent whistleblower. I'm trying to think of her name and I can't now. And Matt Taibbi wrote some stuff in Rolling oh, Stone. Yeah. Like there's so many where they're on the record saying that they knew they were selling people crap. They knew that they were bundling mortgages that were worthless and rating them AAA and all of, uh, you know, the crisis wasn't blind. Like they say, they still stand up and say we didn't see it coming when they were the ones selling these crap mortgages that they know were worthless. They knew people were defaulting on these mortgages and then they were still selling them as AAA. And they have whistleblowers and paperwork and everything. And it's, it's so unfortunate that the way the media works right now is they're allowed to say it without someone yeah. saying Actually, on blah, 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 you admitted that you knew <laughs> that you were selling these things and you signed off on it and there was compliance and they signed off on it. Um, it it's, it's very unfortunate that, you know, this crisis, these crises are caused by things that are real and then they're, they act like it's a surprise and then they react to it in a way that's almost planned, if not, right. <laughs> or planned, depending on how you fall on that. But it's, uh, it's it, and it, like, they make it seem like these events happen out of nowhere. No, I never saw this coming. It just smacked me in the face. And my reaction to it was just because I was in that situation. And right or wrong, I stand by what I did. All these sorts of things. Where but, they, of course, they saw it coming. But it could be a combination of two things. It could be on the finance side, they certainly did. On the economic side, I guess you can argue if it was will for ignorance, ignorance, or just ignoring or purposefully editing. Or, or you know, they are caught by surprise a little bit. They react to it. They, they were get their selling bailouts, it. But hold on, <laughs> they're selling it. They expect it to pop. Yes. But then, like children, mm -hmm. instead of best, you know, saying we did it, they turn around and say like a child would, would say, I didn't know. Yeah, but the child who says that knows. <laughs> yes. But, 
but not completely. You know what I mean? Like sometimes children. Okay, will... okay. The, in... <laughs> <laughs> a little piece of their brain said, "Well, I didn't quite know it would work out quite like this." Yes, yes. So I'm kind of not lying when I say I didn't know. Didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's just sort of an excuse for the public. Yeah, yeah. It's all for them yeah. to swallow, and for all for us to swallow. Yeah. On the other hand, it's not hard to spot an asset bubble. Right, right. Yeah, right. Like when we were, those years, we did not buy a house. Everyone, you have a good job. Why aren't you getting a house? Forget it. And, you know, it would have been a first-time house, so there's all of these, you know, first-time home buyers, discounts, and all. I was like, but they're so high. How can they not pop? I didn't, I didn't know when they would pop, but it was just such a crazy, every year things went up. And and we never bought and you know and you know even our families were like why aren't you buying a house why are you buying a house and then everyone I know now not that they're losing their house but their mortgages are all underwater they still haven't recouped what they bought in two thousand and seven and six yeah. like it's 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 like you said I I was in the minority who just knew that it wasn't right it's and I might as well sit and wait yeah there's no harm in waiting um, it's kind of like everybody everybody buys but beer. most people weren't like that yeah. It's like everybody buying Beanie Babies. Oh, you and your Beanie Babies. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're giving out credit, yes. people are going to take it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Except it's, us. <laughs> yeah. Get away from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's back to psychology and all of these things where they know if they do a certain thing, people behave a certain way, and it'll influence the market in a certain way. You know, interest mm. rates are low and loans are easy to get. People are going to buy more. Yeah. And therein lies a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. I don't know if there's if you would like to talk about your other comic book. Oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Ah. Hmm. How would I start talking about that? It's been a, well, I, the I, part the comics. part that I like on it, I like the bad guy in our comics. So yeah. we're talking about him. You, you go, so go we ahead. we have a, a comic. It's a series. Uh, how many is it going to be? Five. We've done one right. volume. The Good second time. volume is already drawn out. The script is written and everything. Yeah. So that'll be out next year. And um, our villain is it is the, in the Invisible Hand. Yes. Because I, I get such a kick out of listening to people who want to make it sound like the markets, there's a logic to the markets. Mm -hmm. And I always find, you know, there's buying and selling. That's logic. But there's not always a buyer for every seller. You know, there's not an equilibrium all the time. Or ever, right? Some some people score big and some people, you know, fail miserably. And But, you know, with all of these uh, extra intrusions into the market and manipulating markets and all this start things, they're the, so we personify the invisible hand. So our our villain manipulates markets to make money. And it's, it's not a financial thing. It's not like our comic. No. It's, it's, I guess it's sort of the... No, it's, the mentality yeah. of people who want to take over systems. Yes. Is that a good way to say yes, it? Yes, I would say yeah, yeah. So we this one does have superheroes, but the superheroes are used as sort of um, stereotypes of how people behave, how people are treated, uh, in it's order everyday life. Yeah. So you have we give them jobs. Okay, you go. Yeah. Ahead. So You're basically, uh, the idea came to me when. Uh, you know, my my brother was sick with cancer and he didn't have in insurance. And well, you know, he's 
first first of all, he's fine. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's good. I uh, just to clarify that. But <laughs> during that period, I had this sort of reaction to the idea of superheroes in a society that is so money based that we have something so altruistic and yet everything we're told beyond a certain age is you have to work for this, you have to work for that, you have to work for this. But as children were told, multimillionaires with the exception of Spider-Man <laughs> are going to put on costumes to save you. And I thought, okay, I had this idea and the comic, the comic starts out with Sir Shroud, who's one of our main characters who is on a sitting uh, on a ledge and there's a guy hanging off a burning building and they're haggling over the price of this man's rescue. And basically it's about the superhero Inc company. So yeah, from his, that scene that popped into his head, we sort of built around it where if you take this world where if something's altruistic, it's almost communist. You got to work for stuff. You got to pay for stuff. If someone does something for free, they're a sucker. You could tell we were in New York for a long time yes, at this point. By the time we so we thought they fixed it through legislation that in order to be a superhero, you had to work for an insurance company. You <laughs> couldn't be. They changed the law so that you couldn't be a superhero without being licensed. And to be licensed, and we took this sort of from the history of of marijuana as well, where they took growers or hemp anyways, growers, you needed a medallion to grow the hemp and you, you couldn't prove that you were growing hemp to get the medallion because carrying the hemp meant that you could be charged for caring. It was a very silly thing oh, if yeah. you ever look up the history of that. So we thought, let's do that. You can't, you can't have a license unless you work for a, a, an insurance company, a rescue insurance company. And the rescue insurance company is also the same company. And then there's a monopoly. Inc. So there's only one, at least in the States. We, there's one rescue company called Superhero Inc. And if you want to be rescued by superheroes, you have to pay. You know, and they have single payer or you can pay for the month, whatever. They have plans for schools, for hospitals, for whatever. Yeah. And you can pay for this. And if you if you save people without being licensed, you could be arrested. So there's old school superheroes from before. The nonprofit From age. the nonprofit age. Yeah. There's one in particular who's continu continuously fighting this in court, but they're always styming him in court and delaying things. Mm -hmm. So then you have the, the superheroes that work for a living. So you have like the Superman types, but he's a jerk and he gets yeah. paid lo loads of money, but he sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. He has endorsements. Or shows up drunk. Yeah, he's awful. <laughs> awful. He has lawsuits, paternity yes. suits, everything. He's yes. terrible. Then you have like, a, a woman who's as strong as him but doesn't get paid as much as him and she she's just as strong as him we didn't want any of this thing where i noticed all superheroes like i didn't grow up reading comic books yeah uh and i always found why are their superpowers always based on mental ability women women always get the yeah mental even powers. if they're really yeah. strong or and they'll use their minds and then they'll they'll, they'll collapse in a faint of some yeah. sort or there, there's there, there's so much commonality with the it, as strong as the girl character might be there's always something like yes, that she's she's slightly a dancer so I wanted her she's just strong she's like just yeah. as strong as the guy but she gets paid less she shows up more when he doesn't show up she shows up and we sort of have a scene where that she ends up getting pissed at the company because she finds out about that and, and walks out then you have the character who's the working guy he's not as powerful as them they have tiers of superheroes yes so he gets paid less 
he's a working class kind of guy. He does his job, but he's divorced and he has a lot of bills to pay and he never sees his kids. He has to do kids parties because yeah. they so also rent out superheroes. So we use parties. superheroes, but as real people yeah. where they're sort of like athletes or someone who's exceptionally smart or exceptionally anything, exceptional at something. They just have these abilities that make them exceptional in some way. And they use that to right. earn a living. Um, so we just put it in sort of a modern context. Yeah, created a world. And then behind them. the scenes, we have the invisible hand who ends up like, you know, like. He's he, starting his plan on how to literally have, I would say, a hostile takeover. Yes. So And he uses government connections. And, you know, everything. he's the invisible hand. He's working all of these things in the background. That's his pseudonym. And then he in real life, he's like, yeah. you know, a wealthy, respected. And and. So the first volume introduces you to the world, and the second volume that I, I'm working on now basically starts to, because he is the central character, so we're basically giving you his background in two volumes, so it'll be volume two We like him so much, we gave him a volume, and now we're going to give him two volumes. <laughs> yes, because he's 270-some yeah. years old. One of his powers that people don't know is that he lives for an exceptionally long time. So one of our taglines is, uh, you know, it takes a few lifetimes to be a good capitalist. So he takes all of these, you know, instead of being intergenerational, it's him that builds these connections and builds these things yeah. as the invisible hand. It appears from the outside, but it's really him working things to where he wants to be by the right. time we get to our end. Um, yes. Yeah, so the name is sort of ironic yeah. because he is yeah. the antithesis of what free marketers like to present. Yes. Yes, he yes, tries to superhero, but we got letters from Marvel and DC have the word superhero trademarked. Co-owned. They yeah. co-own the trademark on the word superhero. Yes. So we got, they didn't sue us or anything, but we got, t twice we got letters from their lawyers when we, we registered the trade, we, we wanted to register the trademark. And as soon as we, it was in there for a yeah, couple of months, we Yeah, but we weren't even we trying to register superhero ink. Yes, we, were, we did. No, and then that's we trade, we're, we're trying to trademark Super Incorporated, oh. but then the trademark office told us that Incorporated, you can't. But anyway, so they, they sent, sent us, us a letter, letter saying, it's not Superhero Inc., oh, is it? he's right, he's right. And It was a little different, and we still got a letter from them saying, were you going to use this? Because in the story, which I guess they read a synopsis on it, you know, the, the insurance company is called Superhero Inc., so they sent us a letter like, is this the title of the comic? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. The term seems generic. Well, it's, it's sort of it twofold. Is. One is that they're, because I researched a lot. I didn't want to respond or anything incorrectly. So I researched a lot on this. And part of it is that they really shouldn't be able to trademark superhero no. because their proof that they both co-own it means they both thought of it separately along with other companies. They didn't actually originate the term. 1913 is actually... Yeah, and there's comics that predate that term from them. Yeah. But on the flip side, when you have a trademark, you have to actively pursue the trademark. Like, if you just... If you trademark something and you, you never follow up with anyone who's using it, you could actually lose the trademark. Yeah. So, um, as but I... But they trademarked it. it in 1979 because... Of the toy company Mego that uh, was was doing their little dolls, and they were actually going to trademark uh, the world's greatest superheroes, and then both Marvel and DC went uh 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 mm -hmm. wait That's a hard. second, and then 
they actually got them not to, and then they trademarked superhero. Co- so we added corporate in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually fits so it separated super and heroes in the title. Yeah. But it fits. <laughs> and it fits and it works and they do work for a corporation and, and you, your eye still kind of gets the superhero part, but it's legally okay. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Even even the little indie publications will get letters from lawyers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And that, that comic, Supercorp, is what we sent to Steve. Because when, when we came out with the first, um, it's a graphic novel, but we were releasing the first one as comics. So the first comic I sent to a bunch of reviewers, but I also thought I'm going to send it to some uh, economists and some people who have, you know, like renegade economists or different people who have outlets. And I'll just see if they'll respond. Because I thought it's a comic book. They might get a kick out of it. And if you read it, um, you know, I think it's funny. <laughs> I hope it's funny. So he actually was terrific. He liked it. He wrote something on his website on Dead, uh, Dead, uh, Dead, Watch. Dead Watch. And he did a whole review on it. And he's, and it sparked from there. He's such a nice person that uh it that's what started like us with him and just chatting with him and touching base with him once in a while then he talked to Jen who's the writer for Crash Boom Pop and got her in touch with us and uh, that's how the, the graphic novel happened uh for debunking and also in general it's not just debunking like Jen's distilling a lot of information mm-hmm. but um so that's how that came about so it's funny yeah. life is so odd like that Talk about variables and unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have we're working on two graphic novel series yeah, at the same good. time, which is great though we like it. Yeah. So one one is more the meat and potatoes of real economics, and the other one is sort of us having fun. The day to day having fun, and perhaps the psychology that goes behind some of the things. Yeah. With yeah. the villains. <laughs> and maybe it will draw readers to your other graphic novel, getting yourselves out there. Yes. Good. It would, it would be a good Free samples everywhere. Yes, free samples everywhere. <laughs> There's free samples to download. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, is there anything else you can think of? Oh, well, uh, we can see any of our, any of my work, our work at www.7robots.com and uh, keep an eye out for the Crash Boom Pop book. And, oh, and yeah. I idea economics as well for Crash Boom yeah. Pop. Like I, I update their, their their site. I help them update that. So That's ideaeconomics.org. Mm-hmm. Right. And the links to everything we've mentioned here will be included in the podcast page. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Oh, same here. It's been wonderful. Thanks. I uh, hope to have you on next time. You need a little bit of promotion. (laughs) We'll send you a copy of the book. We'll send you a copy of the book as soon as it's it's ready. I hope so. I'll send you my address. Okay. (laughs) Or did you mean an electronic call? We could go either way. We could go either way. Which Unless are life really design. kicks us in the bottom next yeah. fall. I yes. think you can get a hard <laughs> copy. You can get a hard copy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're putting it on Kindle and on Smashwords? Yes. yes. Like our, our stuff is on iTunes, on... Um, Kindle. Now it's, it's on Amazon. Do they... Yeah. Amazon Kindle. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And 
and on uh, Google Book. Google Google Play, yeah. Google Play. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting all these. <laughs> like I, I I prepare all these formats and upload them, and then I forget what they all are. But every yeah, and it's yeah. on our website. And it's all, all all of those as well. Yeah. Fine. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Talk to you again. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Have Bye-bye. good holidays. And a happy new year. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Happy, happy Christmas. <laughs> yes, happy Christmas. <laughs> y feliz año nuevo. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I can make that sound. Okay, no problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night. night. Good night.